0: Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 to 15. Everyone got it now? Great. Let's hear what the Lord says through the prophet Haggai. In the second year of Darius the the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, that's quite specific. The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. It is a time for you yourselves to dwell in your is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts: consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves. But no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. If you've got teenagers in the house, you'll know that one. Verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold... It came too little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain and the new wine, the oil the oil on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the the governor of of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of of hosts, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 to 2 says this, and I'm only going to quote the first part of it. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. And then the verse carries on. We're at the start of 2022, a whole brand new year. And it's always an ideal time to stop And to take stock of our lives. I say this every new year. It's a time to stop. It's a time to take stock of our lives. In which direction is my life heading as of today? If you look back on the past year, in which direction is my life heading? And the question I've got to ask myself is, am I just going to bump along from last year into this year? As normal. What does my personal life with the Lord look like? Is my daily relationship with the Lord still fresh? And the result of that, how is my walk before Him? These are stock-taking questions. And as Ecclesiastes reminded us, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. Well, are there some bad habits that have taken root and that need to be uprooted? Are there perhaps some good habits that need to be planted, that need to be started, that need to be strengthened? A ship goes, of course, in increments of degrees. Not in sudden movements. I'll repeat that. A ship goes off course in increments of degrees. Not in sudden movements. But a change in direction needs deliberate action. That's kind of the practical application of where we're going to go this morning. You see, we look at Haggai's prophecy... And the people of Israel had been in exile in Babylon, or modern-day Persia. But Darius, the Persian king, had given some of them, a remnant of them, a leftover of them, a portion of them. He had given permission to go back to Jerusalem and to set up their temple, to start working on the temple again. And the the old kings used to do this. They used to take people into exile, keep them there for a while, try and change their way of thinking to the Persian way of thinking or whatever, and then send them back to their own countries so that a bit of Persia would go with them. And so they could kind of take over there again. Early colonialization, if you want to call it. And so this remnant were back in Jerusalem, and their first mission because God had told them to do this as well, was to rebuild his temple. And so they started off with great gusto. They got those big rocks together. If you've seen um, temples that people have built, massive big blocks of rock, massive structures. They started off with great gusto, but as with a lot of things, it soon fizzled out. And... They ended up in disillusionment. And very soon the people settled into a lifestyle of just looking after themselves. First, feathering their own nests, getting the house looking tidy, mowing the lawns. No, not not the lawns. But but settling into looking after their own houses, putting on new roofs, paneling their houses, as scripture quotes here beautifying, expanding their homes, making them bigger. And God's temple remained partially built. This wasn't a matter of the people having nowhere to stay and God saying, I first want you to build my temple and then you can build your houses. No, a period of time had already passed. If you look at verse 6 of chapter 1, they'd already had time to plant crops and to harvest. And that must have happened a bit. but the problem was that they hadn't prioritized their worship of and their obedience to God first and so their daily lives were being affected they'd settled into a second rate lifestyle that was very unsatisfactory if you look at verse 6 look at how unsatisfactory their lives were the Lord says you've sown much and harvested little you eat but you never have enough You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. It's not satisfactory, is it? But the people kept making an excuse for not rebuilding the temple. And the excuse was, quoted, the time has not yet come. Time hasn't yet come to do this. Today's speak, we'll do it next week. I'll do it next year, just not today. I've got other important things to do today. And so God calls him back through this prophet Haggai, and he speaks, and note who he speaks to now. There's an order here. He speaks firstly to the civil leaders. He speaks to Zerubbabel, the governor. He speaks secondly to their spiritual leader, Joshua, the high priest. And then he speaks to the people as well. And what does he say to them? You see, God calls the nation back to first priorities. He says, glorify me first in what you do, and then you will do things in their right order. Glorify me first, he says. Verse 8, go start now. Go into the hills And collect the materials you need and rebuild my temple first. Why? Here's a reason. So that I will take pleasure in it and be glorified. What's God saying to them? He's saying to them, don't put this off till tomorrow. Your missed priorities today will affect your today and your tomorrow. You miss the priorities in your life and they will affect today and tomorrow. So start now. Don't put it off till tomorrow and the next day. You are having consequences in your own life. Why does God say it's affecting you today and tomorrow? Because God says, I will be, now note this, I will be directly responsible for you not being blessed. Strong words. Where do I get that from? The text. Verse 9. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. Now look at this, and when you brought that little home, I blew it away. You want to miss out on the blessing that God has for your life? Then don't sort the priorities out in your spiritual life. You see, what you do when you do that is you're pitting your strength against Almighty God. And guess who's going to win? Let's look at the consequences of pitting your strength against Almighty God. Verse 10 to 11. I'm going to read them from the text. This is God not blessing His people. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. Food is affected. Everyday economy. And I've called for a drought on the land and on the hills, on the grain and the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their Labors. Hard words, aren't they? Ah, we know what you're saying, Calvin. You want more money for the church. That's what it's saying, isn't it? You want to build a bigger one? We're going to building program. No. That's a misuse of this verse. And it's been used like this. By some of the megachurches around, they will use these verses and say to the people, bring into the storehouses of the Lord so that the Lord's temple is built and you will be blessed. And the people bring it in droves and the coffers spill over and there's spiritual emptiness because their priorities are still not God glorifying, they are money glorifying. Ah, you, in other words, you're telling us, Calvin, give to God and if you invest in God, He will give back to you that what i'm saying no that's called the prosperity gospel it's not what i'm saying it's not what this passage is about it's not what the prophecy is about it's not about rebuilding the temple not building the temple or rebuilding the temple was just symptomatic of a far larger problem and the problem was misplaced priorities and that's why god speaks to israel and its leaders You see, Israel and its leaders were no longer giving God's first place in their priorities. Me, myself, and I had taken God's place in their lives. And God was not being given the first honor. He was not being glorified first in their priorities. They were breaking the first commandment. What was the first commandment? Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Yeah? And they were putting other gods before God. So what am I saying from God's word this morning to you as people and to me standing up here? I'm saying this, and I'm going to break it down into the way scripture breaks it down. I want to firstly address the, the, the national leaders and the political and social leaders of this country. There might be some sitting there, they might not. This might go out on the net. But it affects us. Leaders of New Zealand, my call to you from God's Word this morning is this. Give God the recognition and the honor due to His name. In a time of COVID insecurities and of preparing to start a new year, bow the knee to the Lord of hosts, verse 2. Who is He? The Lord of the armies, God Almighty. Bow the knee to Him. At least recognize Him. Don't go against the principles spelt out in God's Word, in your policies and in your decisions you make. And I know we've got a secular state, but God's Word still speaks to a secular state and says, give me the honor due to my name. Whether they decide to or not, that's on their shoulders. But God's Word comes out. Honor God, he says, otherwise you bring on yourselves, you bring against yourselves the all-powerful God, and you bring consequences not just on you yourselves as leaders, but on the country as a whole, and on his people. And those are spiritual and physical consequences. God has done it before. Why would he change now? The Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies, says to the leaders of New Zealand whether you're a political leader, whether you're a social leader running a business, the Lord says to us leaders in this country, He says, Consider your ways before me. He speaks to spiritual leaders of New Zealand, speak to church leaders, to you leaders in your homes. You are the spiritual leaders in your homes. He says, give God the recognition and honor due to His name. Lead your churches, lead your homes, and worship God first. And let it be seen in the decisions you make. Let it be seen in the programs that you implement. Let it be seen in the priorities you set in the churches and in your homes. Let it be seen in the way you live, in the way you are seen to be living. Are you pursuing almighty God or the mighty dollar? And by the way, the mighty dollar is not so mighty. Economists are predicting in February there's going to be a slump all over the world. And it's not just one person saying it. It's the results of what COVID has been doing now for two years, now catching up with economies and they're predicting a slump in February, roundabout. Honor God first. Don't hold on to your bag full of holes and try and put money in it all the time. It's going to fall through. Honor God first. Is that what your children are seeing in your priorities that you set in your homes? Do they see you honoring God first? Do they see you as parents honoring God first when you spend the money that the family has been given? In the time commitments that you as a family have. And maybe even in the family habits that you have. Are you honoring God first? The Lord of the army says to you and I too. Consider your ways. The word consider is the word to weigh up. You put God's word on the one side. And on the other side you put your ways on the scale. And they must measure up to what God's word says. Consider, weigh up your ways before God. Which one weighs more in your family? And then us here at Wang East, the people of God. What are our priorities as we start the new year? Will we bring every single aspect of our lives into subjection to Jesus Christ, the Lord? Or is there some area that you and I will hold on to and once again deliberately overlook in our lives? Because... Quote, the time has not yet come to tackle it. In other words, I'll do it later. Because it's a pet sin, I really don't want to let go now. God is not satisfied with slipshod spirituality. He wants full devotion from you and I. He wants total worship. He's either glorified or He's not glorified. There's no in-between. So what do we do with this in application? I want to come back to that initial statement I made. A ship goes off course in increments of degrees, not in sudden movements. But a change in direction needs deliberate action. Let's look at what happened here in Haggai, in the book. In response to Haggai's prophecy, what happened? The civil leaders heard the word. They weighed it up, they considered their ways, and then they went out. The civil leaders, the spiritual leaders, and the people, what did they do? They went out into the hills. They took the material that they needed. They obeyed the voice of their God, says verse 12, and they feared the Lord. They put God back in His place as number one in their lives. And they gave Him the honor due to His name. And what was the result? Look at verse 13. Verse 13. The Lord said, I am with you, declares the Lord, because you've obeyed my voice. And what did he do? It didn't end there. He stirred up their spirits. And they rebuilt the temple. That's an interesting thing. When did God stir up their spirits? After they'd heard him and obeyed. After they'd weighed up their lives against what he had told them and given God's word first priority. And then, in obedience, they went out, and as they went out, God stirred up their spirits. He revived them again. He gave them purpose. He gave them direction. and they rebuilt the temple. You see, so often when we start our New Year's resolutions, we start the other way around. We try to put these things into our lives. I'm going to I've got to lose weight. Uh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and we start. Great gusto, right? And it lasts for about, um, if you're lucky, January the 12th. Or when you come back from holiday. And then you're back into old habits. Spiritual life, I need to sort things out with the Lord. And so I start every day reading my Bible, praying. I spend half an hour, and then 15 minutes, and then five, and then we fizzle out. And we become disillusioned. All the principles are here. And it's because we haven't first heard the word, then obeyed, and then God will help us. He will, he will revive our spirits. He will energize us. We're starting the wrong way out. And so my appeal to you from this text this morning is this. Get your bearings again reset your compass when I was in the air force we used to help every year once a year or twice a year we had to do compass swings because the compass itself got out of sync and so you had to get a specific direction you had to find out where true north was and then set that compass on true north again because it had lost some of its direction it's called the compass swing we need to be compass swung lord help me to reset my compass Back on your word and who you are. And to start this year prayerfully by asking the Lord, Lord, help me. And recognizing the fact that our compasses go out in increments. And we follow them. And so uh, this is where we come to the bulletin. There's a few questions just to be practical about it, to try and help you and I, all right? You don't have to try and work through all 15 of them, but at least have a look at all of them. I just want to touch on a few of them. Number one, these are some questions you can ask the Lord. And prayerfully seek His answer. What's one thing you could do this year to increase your enjoyment of God? Ever thought of that question? I want to enjoy God more. Question five. What's the single biggest time waste in your life? And what would you do about it this year? I know the answer to mine. That's the second one. Thank you, Marty. Yep. And we need to get ruthless with it in many ways. Because if we don't, it's just going to carry on as normal. Question six. What is the most helpful way you could strengthen your Church, wow, now we're outward looking. How can I get more involved in the church life, in strengthening my fellow believers? That's part of setting our priorities. It's part of our compass swing. And question seven. For whose salvation will you pray most fervently this year? I know who I'm going to pray for. I've got a new granddaughter. I'm praying, little Quinn, into heaven. I'm going to pray for Who will you pray for? We pray them into heaven. Those are practical ways in which we can consider the directions of our lives. Psalm 127 verse 1 says this in closing. Listen to God's word as we close our time together around his word. Unless the Lord builds a house... It's builders' labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he that is God grants sleep to those he loves. May that be the prayer on your life for 2022 and for us as a church. Amen. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you that as we come to the beginning of this year, you give us the opportunity to consider to weigh up our ways before you and your word. Lord, help us to step out in obedience as we hear your word, and then you will help us to maintain and to grow those good habits, those good characteristics because in the end, Lord, you develop them in us. You give us more patience. You give us more kindness. You make us to be like your son, Jesus Christ. They are gifts from you. But we need to step out in obedience first. And hear your word. So help us as a church, Lord. I pray to you for this church, Lord, that we will be around in our neighborhoods, that we will be more outward looking, that we will bring others or bring others into our homes and then to church. But Lord, speak the gospel and live the gospel to them so that they may see Christ in us and you will save them. We can pray for them. You will save them. So Lord, show us who we are to pray for this year. And may we glorify you as we consider our ways before you. Our God, may there be no other gods before you. Amen.